City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. The, the resurrection of Jesus brought about this new opportunity for life, life that we've not known since the dawn of creation. Now, speaking of dawn, this morning I, it was a, uh, it was a. Uh, dark when I came in as usual, but, but uh, I, I, I always enjoy kind of seeing the sun brighten up downtown, and, and, and it made me remember something that as a kid we used to do. You see, uh, we used to have this extra special Easter, Easter service, and it was, uh, it was super early on Sunday morning, and it was called a sunrise service. Any of you guys ever do remember that, ever hear of that? I mean, it's like hardly anyone, but you, you may have to be like really old like me or something to remember that. That. But but a sunrise service, the way we would do it is if the weather was good, we would actually even go outside. And I remember thinking, this is so cool. So we would go outside in the dark, and my dad would, would be there, and, and, and someone would lead a couple of songs. And, and as we were doing that, the sun began rising, and we're like, ooh, I was watching the sun rise. And, and we would read some scriptures about the resurrection. And then what was fun is right afterwards, there were all, this, there were all these people we would cram into the church, and we would have this massive massive breakfast. I loved the breakfast. Big breakfast. We would celebrate, have a good time. Then we'd do Sunday school and church. We was like a whole all morning kind of a thing. But I, I loved it. it. It was a lot of fun. But, but honestly, you know, <laughs> I'll just admit, that's actually kind of one of those traditions I, I'm kind of glad faded away uh, because I'm not the most chipper person like when it's still dark out in the morning. I don't know how I would do it at, at an uh, early morning service like that. But, but uh, the idea behind it was really, really good because it is to commemorate the resurrection, basically the sunrise of a whole new era. In fact, it was the introduction of a new testament of world history. I was about four, maybe five years old when I have the memory of the first funeral I had ever attended. And, and I, I was transfixed on that day. It was, a, it was an atmosphere I'd never seen before as a kid. And, and, and uh, the person who had passed away was a great uncle of mine. I, I didn't even know him, but, but I recall what happened that day. I remember the building we were in. I, I remember everything and how it felt. And I remember there was this, this casket. It was opened up and his body was in there. And there were some people that were really sad, a few. Uh, yet most of them were pleasant and respectful of the moment. And others just said, it's, it's a good thing. And I was trying to put a piece it all together. But, but then I remembered the pastor. I, I so clearly remember the pastor saying that he's not gone forever. He explained that he was basically like asleep. And he said that when this trumpet of God sounds, he will be resurrected just like Jesus was from the grave, and he's going to meet God in the air. Now, this preacher made it clear that what looked like the end for this man really wasn't the end. It's all because of the resurrection of Jesus. And, and, and as a kid, that's actually when I first started to get this whole thing about resurrection. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. 
Yet, I, I do respect the fact that there are a lot of people who aren't convinced. I've been asked, you know, was the resurrection real? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Some people go to church and they enjoy the worship. They like the, the teaching. In fact, they'll even take the teachings of Jesus and apply them to their lives. But they don't believe in the resurrection. And honestly, I, I have to say that's a tragedy especially for a thinking person, because if the resurrection didn't happen, there's no reason for us to be doing any of this. E even the Apostle Paul states in his first letter to the Corinthian church that if Christ was not raised from the dead, then preaching is useless and so is your faith. He goes on to say your faith is futile and that you're still in your sins. I mean, Paul even said that if the resurrection didn't happen, you might as well just live by this motto, which is, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But it's because of the resurrection that I can lead a memorial service or a graveside service, and, and I can be there in the presence of family and friends of a person whose earthly life has passed away, and I can say these powerful words with confidence, is that we will not all sleep but we will be changed in a flash in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will ri rise and they will be raised imperishable and we will be changed and death will be swallowed up in victory see it's because of the resurrection that we have this hope it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Savior and today I'm going to answer that question, did Jesus really rise from the dead? I'm going to struggle with that question for a few minutes. So if we're going to do that, we actually need to go to the Bible and see what did the Bible actually say about it. So I want you to look at where I asked you to turn. Look in Luke chapter number 24. Look at verse 1 at the beginning. This is what happened on that very first Easter Sunday morning sunrise service uh, almost 2,000 years ago. Luke 24 verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning... The women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he is risen they went on to say remember how he told you while he was still with you in galilee the son of man must be delivered out over to the hands of sinners and be crucified and on the third day be raised again and then they remembered jesus words and when they had come back from the tomb they told all these things to the 11 disciples and the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them to just be utter nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering what had happened. Let me just stop it right there. 
did, did that really happen? The truth is there are a lot of modern historians who make a philosophical assumption that miracles simply cannot happen. Now, if miracles can't happen, then there's no way you could believe that a resurrection happened either, which then presents the big, huge problem. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection, you would actually have great difficulty in uh, explaining how the Christian church even got started in the first place. I want you to kind of go back in time and imagine what those first hearers felt when they had received the reports of Jesus and the resurrection. You see, they knew that if Jesus' resurrection was true, then they didn't have to be afraid of anything. They didn't have to be afraid of the Romans. They didn't have to be afraid of death. They didn't have to be afraid of war. They didn't have to be afraid of lack. They didn't have to be afraid of tragedy. So if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. But here's the argument of the critics. Basically, they say it just couldn't have happened. And, and most critics will give a scenario something like this, and this is, this is what I've heard, is that people at that time, they really didn't have good scientific knowledge, and they were very open to the magic and, and, uh, and supernatural uh, happenings, and so they very easily would have fallen prey to these reports that Jesus, uh, had, because, uh, that Jesus had risen from the grave because they already believed that resurrection was possible anyway back in those days. And they would say something like this, that they would probably say that, that Jesus fallen followers were heartbroken at his death and they began to feel that Jesus was still with them and he was kind of with them spiritually guiding them somehow and so in their grief some of the followers of Jesus started having visions of Jesus and Jesus speaking to them and and then as time went by over the decades these feelings of Jesus being with him spiritually began to transform into stories that Jesus had been raised physically and eventually, these resurrection stories were written into the four Gospels, and they were constructed there to reinforce a growing belief. Now, that actually sounds plausible, but it actually ignores the historical and the cultural context. Now, I'm going to give you a crazy extreme example, but this actually works, because it's the same thing. When I was four years old, I, I, you see, I was raised in church. I was always around church and hung out around there a lot. And I know this sounds crazy. This sounds crazy, but this really happened. I, I was convinced for a very brief time that Jesus was a woman. Here's why. It's because I saw pictures of Jesus as a child with long hair, and he was wearing something that looked like a dress. So in my mind, Jesus is a girl, case closed. I even, I promise you this happened. I remember taking kids with me, walking around, showing them all the pictures of Jesus in my church, convincing them and showing them this is the evidence. See, I would ask them, is Jesus a boy or a girl? And they would say a boy. I'm like, well, come here, let's look at the picture. See, you're wrong. What was the problem there? I was ignorant. <laughs> I was ignorant. I was messed up. I was very ignorant. But I was ignorant of the historical and cultural context because out of the eyes of a little child, I had never seen a man look like that in Marshall, Washington in 1969. So what happened is my limited understanding caused me to make an incorrect assumption. My, my, my biggest hope is I hope these guys aren't still messed up today. You know, I hope they, like the pastor's kid told us, you know. 
But, but so therefore, it's critical for us to understand the culture and the time and the location as we look at the evidences. There's a lot of evidence. You know, one of the evidences is Paul's letters. In fact, I would say one of the biggest errors that's out there regarding resurrection stories uh, is the claim that the stories that are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Gospels, that they were developed long after the events actually took place. But that's, that, that can't even be true. And here's why. You see, the first recorded accounts of the empty tombs, the empty tomb, it's not in the Gospels. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which were written several years later. It's actually written in a completely different place, and that's actually found in the letters of Paul. Now, every historian, without fail, will say that the letters of Paul were written somewhere between 15 to 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. Here's part of one of those letters. Paul states this. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you, of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So, Paul, just a few years later, not only speaks about the empty tomb, but he also talks about the eyewitnesses. See, Jesus even appeared to 500 people at once, and Paul says that most of them were still alive, therefore they could be consulted. So if you doubted Jesus was resurrected, you can just simply go and talk to the eyewitnesses. Now, think about this. There is no way Paul would have made such a challenge if the eyewitnesses really didn't exist. Another one of the really interesting evidences is the evidence of the women. See, each of the four Gospels state that the women were actually the first people to witness Jesus' resurrection. Jesus appeared to them first. Now, culturally speaking, though, women in, in that culture were of such a low social status that their testimony was not even allowed in court because you couldn't believe what a woman said. Just like it says in the Scriptures, they didn't believe the women. Therefore, think about this. There is no advantage to the church to say that the first witnesses were women. I mean, why in the world would you construct a story that would, that would actually have its credibility undermined from the very beginning? See, the only possible explanation would be that the women who are depicted in this story actually did really see and encounter Jesus. And, you know, another one of the evidences is the empty tomb. I mean, there was definitely an empty tomb. But if there had only been an empty tomb, I mean, and there were no sightings, then it could be easily construed that there really wasn't a resurrection, but, but because people could say, you know, the body was stolen. But when you take the two factors together of an empty tomb and eyewitnesses, two things, and you put them together, anyone would have to conclude that Jesus had been raised from the dead. In fact, Paul's letters even state that the Christians uh, proclaimed Jesus' bodily resurrection from the very, very beginning. This meant that the tomb must have been empty because no one in Jerusalem would have ever believed this preaching if the tomb wasn't empty. They could go see for themselves. Here's the truth. We can't permit ourselves uh, the uneducated luxury of assuming that the resurrection accounts were fabricated years later. 
Over the years, skeptics have uh, looked at the resurrection and they've proposed, well, the followers of Jesus had hallucinations and they must have imagined Jesus speaking to them and, and they had these, these visions. But, but keep in mind, this would assume that his resurrection was imaginable to Jews at that time or that it was an option in their worldview, but it, it wasn't. See, people would say that, that uh, well, the disciples stole the body and they claimed that he was alive. So this also assumes that the disciples would expect the other Jews to be open to the belief that an individual actually could be raised from the dead. But that's not possible because people of that time would have never believed in a physical bodily resurrection just as people would feel the same way today. Even during that time, there were these other movements where different individuals who thought they were the Messiah were executed. And, and, uh, however, though, in not one single case do we ever hear about the followers of those people uh, being disappointed to the degree that they begin to claim that their hero had been resurrected from the dead. And why? It's because they lived in that culture. They knew better. No one would believe in an individual resurrection. Claiming their leader was still alive or alive again would simply not be an option unless it was true, unless he was really alive. I mean, think about this. Why, why would the disciples of Jesus conclude uh, that his crucifixion had not been a defeat but actually a triumph and a victory unless they had actually seen him risen from the dead. Another one of the big evidences is everything changed overnight. I mean, right after the death of Jesus, the entire Christian community, they adopted these new sets of beliefs, which had never existed before. In fact, they were unthinkable. The Christian view of the resurrection was absolutely unprecedented in world history and it sprung up bam overnight full-blown immediately after the death of jesus christ there was no time to process it there was no time to develop it it just happened immediately now the followers of jesus what they were doing is they were simply telling others what they had seen themselves and they never would have gotten any other jews on board to believe any of this unless there had been multiple inexplicable plausible and repeated encounters with Jesus after the crucifixion. I mean, how can it be explained that hundreds of Jews began worshiping Jesus overnight, literally overnight in Jerusalem, if there had not been a resurrection? Plus, think about this. Virtually every one of the apostles, they died for their faith. I just have to say, it's really, really hard to believe that someone would allow themselves to be killed over a hoax when they were even scattered across the world. Hey, friend, the evidence isn't there to simply dismiss the long Christian teaching and just simply say, well, the resurrection couldn't have happened. It only makes sense when you look at the evidence, both the evidence of the eyewitnesses and the evidence of changed lives because it was overwhelming. Here's the truth, guys. Jesus' resurrection causes our faith to make sense. A lot of the skeptics of, of Jesus' resurrection, they're actually good people. They're people who care about justice for the poor. They're people who want to alleviate hunger and disease in the world, and they, they care about the environment. Yet, at the same time, they believe 
that the environment that they are caring for, this material world, was caused by accident, and that the world and everything in it is eventually going to burn up someday in the explosion of the sun. Now, buddy, let me just tell you, that worldview causes problems. The reason is, is if there's no purpose for our existence, then why in the world would we have any motivation to make the world a better place? What, why should we sacrifice for the needs of others? If in the end, nothing's going to make a difference anyway. But if the resurrection of Jesus happened, <laughs> this means we have infinite hope. And we have reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of other people around us. For example, all the work that I do in the city, it's because of the resurrection. Yeah. Yesterday I was honored once again just to take Jack, who's here with us, our, our homeless city life partner, shopping for groceries and setting him up for another four weeks, having a roof over his head at Night's Inn out in um, West Fort Worth. It's because, of the, it's because of the resurrection that we have a good reason to do stuff like this. If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything, my friend. The message of resurrection is this message. It's that this world matters and what happens here matters. The resurrection lets us know that the injustices and the pains of this world must now be addressed. It must be addressed with the good news of healing, justice, and love. Just before I walked up here on the platform, I opened my phone. I felt a text come through. It was from our mayor saying, thank you so much for caring and for being concerned about justice and love in our city. I'm just amazed. It's taking words right out of the sermon. That's what this is about. In fact, even this Thursday, the mayor's asked me to bring my proposal regarding bringing a spirit of reconciliation to the city and how to accelerate that. I'll meet with the city manager and others to begin working on a strategy to make something happen, and I'm excited about that. Yes. And if, if Jesus Christ was truly risen from the dead, then the truth is, is Christianity is good news for Fort Worth. Yes. Easter means this. Easter means that in a world of injustice and violence and prejudice, where degradation is epidemic, that God is not prepared to tolerate such things. Therefore, He gives us the responsibility to work and to plan with all the energy and the power of God to implement the victory of Jesus over them all right here in our culture. That's why we say at City Life that, that we, we measure our success by marketplace and community impact. That's what we measure it by. Because we know that only the resurrected spirit of Christ can redeem this culture. So we choose to be active and present out there in the culture. We choose to be salt and light wherever we go. That's why we choose to find common ground with other people in the marketplace, in the community. That's why city life is, you know, we, we've just decided a long time ago, we're going to be known for what we're for rather than what we're against. It's because of the resurrection that we do have love for our city. It's because of the resurrection that we as a church celebrate diversity and where people can belong regardless of your age or ethnicity or your culture or your background. It's because of the resurrection that we make the choice. We're going to honor one another without merit. And we're going to believe the best about one another. It's because of the resurrection that we at City Life, we simply choose to stand with one another 
through the joys and the sorrows of life. Because fundamentally, we're all the same, and we're all equally important to God. And no one should be ignored. So if you take away the resurrection, there's no reason for anything that we do. Because the resurrection is central to our faith. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then it changes everything. So do you believe? Are you willing to fully embrace the reality that we serve a God who sent his son into his own creation to heal what had been broken by sin? Jesus rose from the dead so that you don't have to live under the weight of sin and you are free from it because he already took your punishment on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead so that you could have hope and eternity rising from the dead even yourself. God wants to spend eternity with you. Jesus rose from the dead so that he could stand between you and the Father and he would plead your case, reminding God the Father that the punishment for your sins was already taken by him. Jesus rose from the dead so you don't have to live a meaningless life. Jesus rose from the dead so you don't have to try to force yourself to be perfect so that maybe God will like you or be happy with you. Instead, we get to be forgiven, which means then we can actually be free and happy ourselves. You say, but I don't deserve that. No, you don't deserve it, but that's the point. (laughs) Jesus rose from the dead so that you could escape an eternity in hell due to the reality of your own sin. Jesus rose from the dead so that he could release you as agents of his power to redeem culture. Jesus rose from the dead so that you could have life and have it to the full. Jesus said it well. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus rose from the dead so his spirit could live in you so you could actually make a difference in your world and simply carry God wherever you go. Jesus rose from the dead so you don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation over your own sins and failures. Jesus rose from the dead so that you could join his spiritual family and have identity. Identity as a child of God and a son of the king. Jesus rose from the dead and it does change everything. I'd like for there to be no movement at this time, please, until we dismiss. This is the most important part of today. I'd like for you to close your eyes and focus internally all across this room. Maybe you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. It's possibly over the course of your life you've drifted from relationship with God and and you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about. You want to know this resurrected Jesus. Maybe you're needing a new beginning. You're ready to embrace God's given purpose in your life. And if so, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And if you'd like to be included in my closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. That'll be to lift your hand at the count of three so that I can connect my faith with you and we'll just pray all together in just a moment. Listen, Jesus loves you more than you know, more than you imagine. He died so that you could have 
everything. And, and everything changes today based on this decision. So here's a count. One, two, three. Lift your hand so I can connect my faith with yours. You want to make things right with Jesus. Lift your hand for me right now. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. I'd like for everyone to stand. And if you raised your hand, I want you, along with everyone in this congregation of believers, to pray these words with me. Will you do it? Come on, say it with me. Say this to Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God, the resurrected Son of God. So please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.